Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Scott Luton and Greg White with you here on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's live stream. Gregory, how are we doing today? We are doing quite well. How are we doing? We being you. Outstanding. Had a great weekend. You got one of my favorite team shirts on, the Atlanta Braves, number one in the NL East by 11 and a half games. Spent time with family over the weekend. Had a big oh, family reunion right. on Saturday. Yeah, it was, it was a, a record breaking. How did that go? Um, only only seven fights. Now, nah, of course, I'm kidding because mom is tuned in. So I better give it to you right. It was wonderful. Yeah. It was a That's wonderful cool. experience. Well done. Lots of love and great fellowship. How was your weekend? Uh, it was quite good. We uh, watched a lot of movies. It's hot okay. here. <laughs> yes, tell me about it. Hot here. Tell me. <laughs> well, it's also hot here, here at the Supply Chain Buzz, right? right. A live show that comes at uh, all of our global fam every Monday at 12 noon Eastern time. As always, we're going to be discussing a variety of news and developments across global business. And Greg, as you know, we've got a big guest here today in Robert Ituri with Forload who's going to be sharing key insights that business leaders and supply chain leaders got to know about reshoring. Right, Greg? Yeah. Can we tell them what furlough, furlough is? Can Please. We tell, can, we tell, can we tell? You go right ahead. Yeah. So it's uh, mostly camo, but it's a clothing brand for outdoor wear, snow camo, upland or upland camo is what I would call it, and deep forest camo. And even, uh, he calls it clear, did he call it clear sea? Clear sea camo so if you fall in the ocean nobody can see you <laughs> i love it it's for even fishing. the fish <laughs> it's for fishing so the fish can't see you ah <laughs> oh, what a great idea um yeah. all right so folks not only do i want to hear from greg and i want to hear from robert as we will i want to hear from all of y'all right and give us your take on these stories we're going to be talking about and if you're listening to the podcast replay which we drop usually on Fridays after the Monday live buzz, you ought to consider joining us live on LinkedIn or YouTube or some other social media channel of your choosing. We'd love to hear from you. Right, Greg? Absolutely. You know, I think we visit, we ask the people live right, to listen, you know, because they might have to actually work for a living or go back to work early or whatever. But I, yeah, that's a great idea. <laughs> if you're, you're listening right. recorded, Tune in for this live. It's a lot more fun. We're doing our best to establish uh, um, equity in the universe, right? Uh, balance in the universe. Okay. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> all right, folks. Speaking of, let's say hello to a few folks. Uh, we have Conchin tuned in from India via LinkedIn. Great to see you as always. Great to see you again. She's been with us before. Abdir, uh, Abdir Amin. Abdir. Come close. Okay. Yeah. Well, if I got that yeah, wrong, close, let me know. But we're so glad to have you here tuned in from Somalia via LinkedIn. Uh, Emmanuel tuned in from Ghana via LinkedIn. Great to see you here today. Hey, I told you, mom's with us. Leah Luton, high supply chain fam, she says, from Aiken. Uh, Helmut is back with us from the south of France. Great to see you. Greg, Greg White, Greg Studer is back with us from Wisconsin. Yeah. 
It was a great weekend when the Blue Angels do two formations right over your house. How about that? How cool is that? Wow. Yeah, when, you got to wonder where he lives if he's right. got to be close to an airport. Of course, at Mach <laughs> 1, you don't have to be that close to the airport. I bet it's close to Milwaukee because watching the Braves and the Brewers this weekend, they had uh, video of the Blue Angels. So I bet it's close to Milwaukee, Greg. Uh, Angela tuned in from North Carolina. Great to see you back with us via LinkedIn. And finally, uh, Rita from Finland, uh, Finland uh, via LinkedIn. Great to see you here today. I say that right, Greg? Rita? Maybe Rita? Finland? Perhaps. Okay. <laughs> Probably. Well, great Rita. to see everybody. Yep. All right. Big show tuned in here today. Greg. In Finnish, though, it's <gasps> Rita. Rita. Uh, Rita. <laughs> I got to work on my breathing. Start every sentence with a. <laughs> I got to work on my breathing uh, apparatus, right. my pronunciation. But hey, let's. Very Scandinavian thing. <laughs> let's offer up some resources to folks. You know, we try to, you know, as folks are trying to navigate their path forward across global supply chain, we got your back. Mm. We try to offer up the best and the brightest from across uh, global industry. Uh, so you may have caught or with that said over the weekend. Now, Greg, we had a little fun with this edition mm -hmm. uh, with the open playing out on Sunday. And then, of course, the um, uh, women's uh, World Cup, right? Women's World Cup and, so and soccer or football is continues. You know, it's got a few more weeks to come. We compared and contrasted what winning successful supply chain strategies and elements of that and how they meshed with football and golf. And Greg, I think we came pretty close. We got some good mm. feedback and uh, from across our family. Did you happen to give that a read, Greg? Uh, I did. I actually read it yeah. while I was watching the Open. And it's okay. good. Interesting. I was thinking, of course, you know, I'm an American. Yeah. Even even with the picture, I was still thinking football. Right. American right. football. American football. <laughs> uh, but also, quick shout out to uh, Br uh, Brian Harmon, who who won the U S open go dogs. That's right. Um, from a little bitty guys, like five, six, something like that from sea Island, Georgia. Well, yeah. From sea Island, Georgia. Well, couldn't he have made it just a bit more intriguing? I mean, I kept waiting for it to get skinny to like well, you know, a stroke or two, but it was dominant. He, he was awesome. I mean, every time he faltered, he came right back. Right. I, mm. You know, you know, um, from watching or playing enough golf, when you see somebody, lose two strokes in three holes or four holes, whatever right. it was with him. You're like, okay, I got him now. And you could see, you could see the rest of the players start to surge, but he came right back with two birdies in in three holes and mm. you could see the rest of the field get deflated from that point. They're like, yeah, we're running mm. out of holes. We can't catch this cat. Resilience. Missed that one. You know, he's, he only missed one putt inside 10 feet the entire tournament he was 54 for 55 wow on 10 foot and inside putts man and that last putt was a knee knocker that six eight foot putt was <laughs> uh yeah that was that was tough but he's a hell of a putter isn't he mm, mm. Uh, he's a he's a grand champion now for sure mm. champion golfer of the year that's right with that said join the almost Let's see, 22,310 subscribers, a.k.a. the cool kids. 
Join us uh, for this weekly perspective that tries to inform and entertain and, of course, offer up resources like, Greg, mm. this next event we've got coming up tomorrow. We have a live stream with our dear friend, Padu, who's back with us after a couple of years. He's going to be talking about four ways to reduce complexity in your supply chain. Greg, there can't be. There's hardly a more timelier subject uh, these days, huh? Uh, yes. And good luck with that. Actually, we're going to talk a little bit about that today, aren't we? Reducing complexity in your supply chain. Well, at least we hope it reduces complexity in your supply chain with our guest. That's right. So stay tuned as Robert Ituri will join us about 1230. Uh, And and join us tomorrow, again, for this live stream, Bring Your Perspective, Pack a Sandwich, as Padu joins us tomorrow at 12 noon Eastern time. It's Tuesday, Tuesday, July 25th. Um, And then coming up on Wednesday, the 26th, we're talking about one of our favorite topics, Better demand planning with supply chain visibility with our friends at Optimus. Greg, that should be a good conversation too, right? Well, you know, it's one of my favorite topics. It's boring. Yes. But it's, <laughs> I mean, it, it, a lot of people think it's really boring, but it is so critical to the success of your supply chain. I love to see in action in those. So folks, join us for that live webinar. Uh, registration is required and we'll drop the link in the chat, but join us for each of these live sessions. We want to hear from you. Speaking of, Greg comes back and answers it was a lakefront downtown. Uh, Blue Angels flew out of Mitchell International. Oh, okay. Uh, the hundred, uh, the 128th refueling group is stationed there. Good, good stuff there, Greg. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, Greg White, we're going to shift from resources uh, to, to our uh, our global fam here to our first news story here. Now, this is this headline. <laughs> this is an interesting one. We've organized, strategized, now it's time to pulverize, says Teamsters Union president ahead of looming UPS strike. Now, Greg, mm. pulverize, I'm thinking of like a really rough piece of meat that, <laughs> that you, know, you pulverize in a kitchen. I don't really, never really thought about that from a negotiation standpoint, but let me share a couple of uh, uh, factoids here and then I'm going to get your take on this. So reportedly, about 95% of the labor contract, as labor contract negotiations go on, continue between UPS and the Teamsters, well, 95% of that contract has been successfully negotiated as talks pick back up this week prior to the July 31st deadline. In fact, they're going to starting. They're going to resume tomorrow, Tuesday, the 25th. The main snag still appears to be compensation for part-time workers. As I shared this uh, incredible, um, uh, well, very quotable headline there that was Sean O'Brien, Teamsters president, uh, sharing over the weekend. Now, get this, Greg. Mm -hmm. Dr. Alan Amling, who's been on our show uh, a handful of times, always enjoys perspective. He spent about 30 years at UPS, including in the upper echelons of leadership. Now, he warned last week on LinkedIn that there just isn't enough time for the Teamsters to be able to ratify a contract in time even if they reach agreement this week, unless Sean O'Brien allowed an extension to accommodate the negotiation and then a ratification. And then let me add to this, Greg, what he shared earlier today. Well, and I'm not going to be able to pull it up. But anyway, what he shared earlier today I thought was interesting, uh, Alan Amling, that at what they set to resume talks Tuesday, they already know one of two things. Either the contract offer that both sides are going to be talking about is is good to go and it's so good it's going to be agreed very quickly or the strike is going to happen and both sides know it uh, but greg i can't wait to get your thoughts of what's going on with these uh, negotiations well i mean you should expect world words like pulverize <laughs> out of the teamsters and especially sean o'brien because he's a punk 
Whoa. Um, and I mean, th- this is a very unprofessional organization. It always has been. Remember, Jimmy Hoffa got disappeared mm. not so long ago. Well, 40, 50 years ago, mm. whatever it was, um, running this. So they've always been very abrasive and gruff and unprofessional. And that's, they feel like they have to be that way because I guess because they're dealing with truck drivers and, um, you know, they want to, whatever they have this sort of caricature idea mm. of the way that drivers are, I think. And they, you know, they're trying to be strong for them, but, um, but you know, this is, uh, let's, let's face it. The teamsters have already backed off. They were, you know, they have yellow freight on the, mm. on the verge of bankruptcy and that, and that would sacrifice about 20 or 30,000 driver jobs. If, if they push them over the mm. edge, so the uh, uh, some of the other knowledgeable wisdom, like Dr. Amling, are saying that they are pushing yellow so far to use it as leverage for the UPS to say we're not afraid of the big bad wolf, right? Um, but the truth is, all these jobs are going to be automated in ten years anyway. So it, I mean, all the only thing they could do at this mm. point is accelerate that. And when immature people are faced with stress, they do crazy things. And that's the way that's Sean O'Brien. So, um, I, I think regardless of that, they'll, my guess is that the Teamsters will do with UPS as they did with yellow, which is give them some, um, grace, whatever, a grace period or whatever to get things settled because they also, they don't want to be responsible for putting, I don't even know how many drivers it affects at UPS. Do you know, Scott? 340,000. Okay. Teams to represent. So they're already going to put 20 or 30,000 on the streets mm. when they bankrupt Yellow Freight. Mm. Um, and, you know, they don't want to, that, that would be a very, very bad look, um, not only to their, um, to the public, but also to their members. In fact, lawyers are contacting Yellow Freight drivers and telling them of their rights to rescind their union citizenship. Otherwise, they have to strike. If Teamster, if the Teamsters call a strike, yep. and they will most certainly then collapse the company Yellow, collapse that company and lose their jobs. So, um, it's easy when you're Sean O'Brien and you're playing with somebody else's jobs, mm. and you've got all that um, union dues money to pay yourself in the meantime. So, <laughs> uh, I, you know, I mean. Laugh to keep crying. I don't know. I don't know what the major issues are, frankly. Mm. I just know that this is being handled very poorly by the Teamsters. Yep. Well, supposedly it's down to what part timers are paid, and there's a big gap, as I recall, five to six dollar gap between what the union is demanding and UPS is willing to pay. Last I knew, and then secondly, to one of the last things you shared there, I believe that's most likely. I, I believe that even though Sean or like I know him, even the Teamsters are representing that, uh, you know, if the deal's not done on 12.01 of August 1st, 12.01 a.m., that they go on strike. I I believe my crystal ball, which has been broke for many years, is they're going to come to an agreement, and then at the last minute he's going to make that extension happen so a deal can get ratified because, you know, and, and the government hasn't, and the White House hasn't intervened yet, but this is a, you know, even if it's a brief strike, this is going to be painful, even if it's just a couple of days. So, um, but good stuff. We're going to keep our finger on the pulse. And Dr. Alan Amling, we're going to have to have you back yeah. uh, to talk about what you're You should have somebody, yeah, who knows the inner workings of this. That's right. Like that. that would be a really interesting discussion. But Scott, you do know Sean O'Brien. 
every bully you ever encountered with false bravado mm. is Sean O'Brien. Mm. Uh, he's just one with a microphone. Ah, man. Okay. We're going to, Greg, as always, I appreciate you keep it frank. You, 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 you don't pull any punches. And that's what, that's what folks expect from us. So we're going to keep our finger on the pulse and we'll be back with updates on that story. Let's move to a little, I would say an easier uh, topic, but it's, you know, they're messing around with our candy. So this may, this may be a tougher topic. So get this, Greg, mm -hmm. in our second story. Oh, sugar, sugar, dun, 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 dun. That's, a, that's uh -huh. all, the, all I know of that song. The Archies, right? The Archies, yes, that's right. So as reported here by the Wall Street Journal, U.S. candy manufacturers are feeling pain with high pricing, low supplies, and policy restrictions when it comes to sugar. So, Greg, did you know? I didn't know this. You, the United States Agricultural policy requires that domestic companies buy at least 85% of their sugar purchases from domestic processors, which allows, of course, with my simple Aiken, South Carolina math, uh, allows for about 15% from foreign suppliers at a low tariff rate of three point, uh, just under $4 per kilogram. But for companies that uh, source more than that 15% from foreign uh, providers, that tariff jumps from just under $4 per kilogram to hang on a second. No, no, no. Let me, let me back up here. 3.66 cents per kilogram is the low tariff. If you stick it at 15% or below, right? If you go over that 15%, it becomes 35 cents per kilogram. 10 exit. 10 exit. Baby. That's right, man. Monday, Monday at math is a bad combination for me, I guess here. So, but small problem as us sugar, is incredibly expensive. For example, U.S. raw cane sugar prices climbed in May 2023 to their highest levels, Greg, since January 2011. Highest levels in 12 years. And overall, U.S. sugar supplies are really tight and expected to decline over 2% in the next crop year. And by the way, Jerry says... He hates that song, Jerry. I don't love the song. I used it uh, as just a little segue there. So I'm kind of with you. It's not one of my favorites either. So what does all, th all this mean? A couple of examples, and Greg, I'm going to get your take here. So Spang Spangler Candy Company, which we've talked about here before, who, uh, based in Ohio, normally produces 250 million candy canes for Christmas each year. Well, last year, they were only able to produce 200 million. Man, a 50 million gap there. Atkinson Candy, based in Texas, went through a dozen suppliers before they found their sugar supply that they needed. President Eric Atkinson of Atkinson Candy was quoted as saying, we were down to the point where we were about to run out of sugar, of course, and we would have been going to Costco. So, uh, of course, this part of a really good <laughs> price at Costco. You just never That's know. That's right. <laughs> you never know about good old Costco. We're big fans. So, Greg, tell us your thoughts here on the sugar industry. Immediately on this shortage, I was reflecting on last year at this time when we were talking about the lack of uh, cacao or chocolate, right, for yep. Halloween and what a disaster it was going to be. Did anyone notice? Other than prices, I don't think so. But, but I think right. what happened was people bought a lot less candy. It seems like I read that somewhere after Thanksgiving or after uh, Halloween. So um, I think... It will be similar. We'll see the prices go up, candy goes down. It's right. It's economics. Um, the sales of candy goes down, and yep. um, you'll see a lot. You know, a lot fewer people given fewer chunks of candy at um, 
at Halloween and have, being a kid who grew up in a trailer park, you'll see a lot fewer uh, trailer park Christmas trees with their typical ornaments, which are mm. which are candy canes. At least that's the way it was <laughs> when I was a kid, because they are really <laughs> cheap ornaments and also edible. Well, mm. arguably <laughs> edible. Anyway, so I, you know, I think demand will go down. It's really interesting. Do you ever wonder? I mean, I, you know, if I was thinking it, I would say it. Do you ever wonder though if they don't do this every year to kind of pump prices or justify prices? going up mm. because it it seems like a possibility yes look over here while we do this over here yeah or here's why we're doing this over here remember that article we right. put out three months that's ago? right, <laughs> right. Um, look there natalie says hey this is unfortunate but not a horrible thing for health reasons I, you know what <laughs> uh it, it is really interesting uh even america is trying to get healthier and and I think it is this kind of thing that could push people that direction, mm, right? Good point. Even smokers, some, a few, quit smoking when cigarettes, cigarette prices exploded. I so, sure did. Piush says, guess sugarcane farmers have really strong lobbyists. And that's a great comment because as the article with the Wall Street Journal went on to, to talk about, there are some forces running amok to try to change these agricultural policies that the government's put in place. So we'll see. Greg, your last comment there. Um, I, I guess I love, you know, love me some candy. But the <laughs> last thing that I'm worried about is candy and whether right. there's going to be enough of it mm. and sugar. I'll just eat less sugar, which yes. is probably better to, I can't remember who said that, <laughs> to her point. Yes, is, Natalie. Is it a very good thing? Yes, Natalie. Oh, yeah. Well, Greg, my kids are demanding a press conference this afternoon. Are they? Yeah, for answers to their questions because they're really concerned about the supply. But I'm going to take. I'm going to. We're going to. Uh, we're going to tamp down those concerns and make sure they understand that uh, it's not always what you read about. Um, so we'll see. Uh, all right. So Greg, we have talked UPS and that ongoing uh, negotiation. We've talked candy, and hey, as long as I keep getting. My access to my turtles, especially dark chocolate turtles, man, those are just about mm. the best you can find. I want to want to pose one more thing to you here. This is kind of a fun topic. Well, hang on a sec, hang on a sec. Before I do, we got one more resource to to put in front of people. So uh, let's see, Thursday. This is a big week for live programming. There's uh, Greg. So Thursday, we're going to feature a couple of our dear friends from ServiceNow, and we're going to dive into a cool topic on resilience. Mm. I think that came up in the first few minutes of the show, Unbreakable, Unlocking Resilience in the Face of Disruptions. And that's a big face, Greg, because they are everywhere that you look. Uh, so join us. They today. and ServiceNow. I mean, big, <laughs> mm. big company. I mean, biggest company a lot of people have never heard of, but um, definitely worth, worth listening because they are making a market. That's right. July 27th, 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Come join us and learn more about what Greg just mentioned there. The good things they're doing at ServiceNow. And of course, Finding more resilience despite how challenging this VUCA environment is. Uh, Piyush says, if sugar prices and supply is so problematic, Coke and Pepsi should be crying out loudly too. That's a great point. Excellent point. Um, all right. So, Greg, I have one more topic mm. before we bring on our guests here today. I want to put this in front of you because I can't wait because I think you and Mark Cuban have at least one thing in common. Maybe two, but at least one. 
so we got lucky when we sold our companies and made a lot of money. <laughs> Maybe that's one probably. But hey, before we bring on our guest, I want to hit this popular interview with Mark Cuban uh, over at uh, on CNBC. So Cuban hates meetings and says people overmeet and they overcall. In fact, as the article points out, research from Microsoft says that people are in three times as many team meetings each week today as opposed to February 2020. Now, in particular, well, I'm going to bite my tongue there. Teams teams is challenging. Teams is challenging for me. But Greg, going back to the meetings. I don't think you mean I don't think they mean teams meetings. I think they mean team. I think both uh they right? definitely uh well, does anyone still use teams? <laughs> Sorry, Microsoft people. Uh, but let's get so speaking of meetings though. The meetings that are the bane of Mark Cuban's existence. Greg, your thoughts. Do people, do we all overmeet? 100%. Yeah. And meetings are routinely unproductive because people just say, let's have a meeting. So in my companies, I wouldn't attend any meeting that didn't have a goal and or objectives, at least a goal. I don't need an agenda. I just need a goal. And then we need to make sure that the conversation stays on point toward the goal of having mm. that meeting. If not, I did not attend. So, and I think it was also, was it, was it Mark Cuban or was it Elon Musk? I think it was Elon Musk who said, don't go to meetings that don't have a purpose. He told his people mm. at all of his many companies, don't go to meetings that don't have a goal. Interesting. Also saw where Mark Cuban earlier in his career, uh, the only way that he would attend meetings is that if they remove all the chairs out of the room. So everyone had to stand while they met to keep them short and to the point. Mm -hmm. uh, Jerry says meetings are fine. Always have an objective, have an agenda and keep to it and end on time or early. <laughs> yeah. Or early. <laughs> it's okay to finish early. Um, but Greg, that's such a great point. And, and especially in today's age with, um, you know, beyond emails and, and phone calls, of course, and beyond even texts, which seems like, more and more it's getting done on text, but stuff like Slack, you know, Slack eliminate, we were able for our business, we're able to get and resolve so much and create so much on Slack that really alleviates a lot of the pop-up meetings that can really fill your calendar if you're not really disciplined to protect it. So I'll give you a last word, Greg, and then, then we've got a big, big uh, guest that we're going to bring on. Your last word, Greg, on meetings. Yeah, so my this is my favorite re uh, recollection of any meeting. So a whole bunch of people at a, a company called MBM, yeah. Meadowbrook Meats, now MBM Food Service, or now I yep. think it's part of McLean. Um, they're having a meeting. Jerry Richardson, who owns them and at the time also owned the Carolina Panthers, um, sticks his head in the meeting and goes, hey, what's this meeting about? And they go, oh, we're considering a new logo. He said, consider away. <laughs> as long as it's exactly the same it is, as it is now, and it's black and white. <laughs> End of meeting. And people got their time back. They got probably two hours back. I love that, uh, Greg. Uh, a couple quick cuts. There must have been 30 people in that meeting. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's hilarious. Elizabeth sa Liz says, uh, was it Shopify who just forced cancellation of meetings and attributed a dollar value to each one? Well, that's interesting. I'll have to look that up, Liz. I'm not sure. Uh, Natalie says, I've discovered I have the benefit of a 10 to 15 minute read of the meeting notes rather than a 60 minute conversation. Most, e most meetings truly can be emails. Well said. Natalie's on fire today. Natalie is on fire. Or text or Slack. I think, I can't believe I'm yeah. saying this. 
it's not still not worth what it's worth what the valuation is but i think slack is a good okay. movie uh, i do too voider yep. I, right i'm with you asynchronous discussion so you can accomplish those things rather than breaking into everybody's yep. day we do it all the oh, time and um we covered here a year or two ago, we shared this story and I'm not going to recollect all of it, but you know, Slack became a business after a failed uh, video game um, project. So the video game project that was being driven and, and, and being led by a Slack-like program, mm. the video game failed, but then they got the big idea, we should sell this collaboration tool and and I can't remember that the acronym it stands for, but that's what became Slack billions of dollars later. And and Greg, you know, we're not Slack's not a sponsor here, but I, I have found it very effective at um, eliminating the need for a lot of meetings. Uh, and I wasn't initially I wasn't a big um, uh, I didn't have a lot of buy in. Then I saw how the team, our team was using it to do just that and create good stuff, big stuff. And it was very convenient. I was like, man, OK, I mm -hmm. see the light now. Um, all right. So, Greg White. Uh, are you ready? I'm really looking forward to this guest appearance we've got here. Are you ready to to bring in the one and only Robert Ituri? You ready to go, Greg? You strapped in? I am ready. Let's see if Robert's ready. You hanging on to your socks? Uh, buckled up? I'm not wearing socks, but thanks for asking. <laughs> okay. I'm wearing everything else, just to be clear. That's right. That's right. Well, hey, let's talk about the hot, hot topic of reshoring with a guest that has has been there and done that plenty of times in his career. I want to welcome in Robert Ituri, Chief Product Officer with Forlo. Robert, how are you doing? I was so engrossed in the sugar talk <laughs> and the UPS talk that I was making comments out loud, so I had to mute. You were yelling so, at the monitor, weren't you? Yeah, Sorry about I that, am, Robert. I, am, I myself hold up the sugar industry with the amount <laughs> of Twizzlers I eat. So. Twizzlers. Okay. Wow. I hadn't heard that in a while. Twizzlers used to have like this, this ever-present marketing campaign. I felt like I was getting a Twizzler commercial <laughs> on the hour, but I hadn't seen one in a while, well, Robert. Just hope they keep making them. I, that's all I care about. Okay. Well, well you know what? Uh, a lot of people cope with candy. Some people cope with tequila. Because today, Robert and Greg, today is National Tequila Day here in the States. So I want to I mm. get a quick pulse check. And folks... To all of y'all that enjoy an adult beverage or two, let us know your favorite tequila drink or even tequila brand. And Robert, that's what I pose to you on here on National Tequila Day. What is your favorite either tequila brand or your favorite drink that, that utilizes tequila? Well, first, I just put that in my calendar so that every oh. year I know. <laughs> You'll never forget it now. <laughs> and I went into my freezer and actually got my favorite. I'll have to hold it in front of me. Oh, nice. Yes. It's called El Silencio. Okay. You've never heard of the brand. It's a mezcal. Yeah. Smoky. Um, and what I like to do is make a pal it's I call it a palomino, but it's a paloma with mezcal. And I've coined the name Palomino. You guys can take it if you want. Okay, we're gonna steal it. Yeah. We're gonna steal that grip. You heard property. it here first. Yeah, Consider it first. But that's my favorite. Okay. Um, I'm not a day drinker, but um, yeah. cheers to everybody out there tonight. That's right. Cheers to everybody that may be celebrating in parades or through other means, National Tequila Day. Thank you for sharing that, Robert. Greg, uh, speaking of adult beverages, mm. you got uh, a recent investment you've made is a nice complimentary piece in that industry. Share a little bit there. 
Yeah, so uh, it's a company called Free Spirits, and it's non-alcoholic tequila, right? If you still want the punch without the, well, the punch <laughs> in in the gut. Um, and and we actually have a non-alcoholic tequila uh, flavored after my favorite kind of, um, I wouldn't say daily drinking, because like, Robert, I don't drink every day, but uh, when I do, it's Classe Azul Reposado, which is Probably the best reposado nice. I've ever That's had. my number two, buddy. I have um, a okay. bottle. Yeah. And and the bottles double as a lamp if you want them to. Just a little bit of work and you've got a lamp. So, <laughs> Or you could put uh, your ashes in there. <laughs> there you go. Oh, yeah. I didn't. Full life cycle. Full life cycle. I don't want my ashes spread. I want them stored in a tequila bottle. And you know that the top of that is a bell. Did you know that? Yeah. Okay. Oh, I know. That's how you know it's tequila time. <laughs> so we so we modeled our non-alcoholic tequila on that one, uh, and it is caramelly and tasty. And it and it with non-alcoholic spirits, you use spices to give it the bite, similar to um, to you know to yeah. alcoholic beverages. And while I wouldn't exactly shoot it, I don't really shoot tequila anyway because it turns out I'm not fifteen. <laughs> Um, but, but it does make a mean mm. margarita or a tequila sunrise, name it. I, I mean, it is so close when it's mm. in a cocktail. Try the, try um, the Palomino, it's, Greg. It's try the Palomino. Okay. Yeah. We will, I'll do we're going to try we'll that, that. Maybe, yeah. maybe this evening. I might, we might wait till the weekend. It's a but good Palomino. It's refreshing, Scott. Okay. Very refreshing. All right. And, and, and by the way, uh, we did drop a link to free spirits in the chat. You can check out what Greg was just sharing. You bet. Oh, thanks. Guys. Um, all right. So wait, wait, go ahead. Wait, Greg. sorry. What, what? What's yours? Oh, uh, yeah. Come on. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna ruin all the party. Um, I'm not a big tequila fan. I had really. You don't drink tequila. Do well, you? I'm not gonna um uh, share all the secrets. Oh, Everybody yeah? had that experience, but you just don't <laughs> drink that tequila anymore. And s- seriously, there. I mean, tequila, tequila. Sorry, I won't go too d- deep here. But they are so refined, like any other beverage. Oh, sure. As a good friend of mine once said, you don't dislike scotch. You uh, dislike bad scotch because that's okay. all you've ever had. Um, okay. So I'm going to bring you some, I'm going to bring right. you some classic. Well, well, we, so we have enjoyed that together is. on some big wins because uh, I remember you bringing the bottle and the bell. But, uh, you know, hey, as yep. usual, my palate is just not educated and refined enough yet. We're so. going to keep refining it. That's right. Robert, let's commit to that. <laughs> So, Robert, wow. you never know what you're going to get here on the Supply Chain Buzz. Uh, but I promise, nope. folks, now that we've celebrated National Tequila Day and got some inside baseball on a couple on, on a couple of uh, brands y'all got to try, I wanted to get into uh, reshoring. But before we do, I think it's really important context, Robert. You know, mm-hmm. I've really enjoyed our conversations with you, you know, kind of pre-show, we'll call it, and, and getting a sense of your background. And I think it's really important folks understand that. So share a little bit about your background uh, for our audience here, Robert. Yeah, well, I mean, just a level set. What we're going to be talking about is is the highest end technical performance outerwear and apparel. Sure. Okay. So I know we're talking about a lot of different industries on this show, but this is this is these this is fabric. You know, these are yarns. These are membranes. These are waterproof breathables. Um, so that type of manufacturing left the U.S. in the late '80s. Mm. So bringing that type mm. back here, um, that, I'm talking about the highest end. Is has been a challenge, but um, it's also been a 
uh, finishing for my karmatic loop, we'll call it, because I started my career at the North Face in the late 80s. And that was in the offshoring boom for this type of outerwear, apparel, yeah. gloves, backpacks, you name it, right? So for outdoor pursuits, um, action sports, skiing, snowboarding, backpacking, mountaineering, et cetera, those goods left U.S. Um, for obviously lower labor mm. pricing and higher gross margins. So um, that's that's where I cut my teeth, right? So I was in my 20s at the North Face in the late 80s when this was a directive, right? And it all made business sense to me, but I didn't really know the impact until 30 years later when yeah. I'm sitting here trying to haul this stuff back, mm. right? And um, so my experience was with the North Face building the highest end technical mountaineering product um, in the US and then moving it. Same with Black Diamond Equipment was there doing somewhat of the same thing, but with climbing gear. So now you have a whole new caveat. Mm -hmm. These are this is safety equipment, right? So, you know, when you offshore safety equipment, you need all of the certifications overseas. So building testing equipment for climbing harnesses and all that overseas is what I did for Black Diamond. Man. I just thought that was the norm. This is this is how business is done, right? Young kid out of college, <laughs> didn't really think about it, right? And so now that I've been, um, now that I've seen the light, right? <laughs> trying to bring <laughs> trying to bring this back to back to the U.S. Um, it's it has been that's where all of these gray, all this <laughs> all, all these tree roots came from, right? Here. Right. <laughs> um, it has been a both a challenge, but also equally as rewarding. Mm. So, um, you know, building product for 30 years, you know, stuff that people rely on in the harshest of environments in the craziest of sports you can imagine. Right. Um, they count on this stuff as gear, right. Uh, now bring it to the U S for me, there's so many pluses over the minuses, right? Like you have to look past the, the gross margin gain of, you know, like pennies to the yeah. dollar of labor cost. Right. You have to look at, wow, I can actually build it, test it in 24 hours. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I can build it and build it in mass in two weeks versus a year. So, you know? Robert, we're going to dive into in just a second. Let me get Greg to respond to some of the things you shared there. But, folks, in just a second, you're going to benefit from that 30 years of experience, right? And we're going to get three things uh, from Robert that business leaders, supply chain leaders, you name it, you got to know about reshoring. But Greg, speak to, you know, in that just a, a couple minutes there, Robert dropped a lot of the, a lot of experience, big projects. Uh, he's talking about the gray, gray hairs that they all caused him. Your thoughts, Greg, as we, as we uh, get ready to dive a little deeper. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, gosh, so many things came to mind. One, um, thank you for being so diligent with climbing gear and the like, because um, about that time I was racing mountain bikes, climbing everything in Arizona, Colorado, New Mexico, you, you name it, um, hmm. Utah, uh, and, and that sort of thing. So I really do appreciate that. I was thinking, I immediately thought of carabiners and things like that. I know that's not exact, probably not exactly what you did, but, um, but the harness is your base. It's literally hmm. attached to your lifeline. It's literally <laughs> called a life. Um, so anyway, yeah. Uh, um, so first of all, I appreciate that. And, and then I realized that 
why do we offshore? We offshore for margin. Why do we reshore? Mm. We reshore for quality, right? And in the meantime, we try to adapt to create quality in a high production, high volume, low cost environment, which is, um, well, it's antithetical anyway. And, and then why, and, and then we lose all of, we atrophy all the muscles that made us great at making the stuff. And then we try to haul it back and we haul it back, not only to our own atrophied muscles, mm. but an entire nation's atrophied muscles. We've offshored, um, med- medicines, right. Which used to be made in Puerto Rico and, and other parts of the U S and now they can't do that. And it would be, it w- would and will, and I hope is a huge investment to make that happen, but we still need to make that happen because you still get the best quality where you can control the process as Robert's talking about and, and see it with your own eyes and, um, you know, and influence the process in motion, not after you've made a run of Mm. 500,000 pieces and realizing that they used inferior metals or a poor welding technique or, overbent it mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. whatever even down right? to backlog at uh receiving ports like we saw in long beach and you know to the, right. to the effect of covid etc yep. right so making stuff in the u.s you don't have that issue well so let's keep let's see that through uh so as we all know you can't have a conversation or read a headline without seeing reassuring nearshoring friend shoring which isn't my favorite phrase but i get what's behind it you name it right all part yeah. of sorts of conversations going on across global supply chains and actions being taken but robert yeah given that you've been there and done it give us three things we'll take these one by one that our audience members got to know when it comes to reshoring in particular yeah not i you know been there done it's tough mm. because i've i've seen a lot but i haven't seen it all and right you know part of uh you know, part of my three bullet points is honestly to just be be patient because this is relatively new. This is a maverick moment, really, um, where being an agent of change is is more celebrated than trying to copy what you do overseas. Mm. That that recipe does not work. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest with you. So, what I've learned in this is you're gonna. You're going to kiss a lot of frogs in terms of U.S. manufacturing <laughs> to find that prince. Um, and you're going to, you know, meet head first into what I call the military wall, which is, you know, most of the apparel hmm. outerwear type of uh, manufacturing happening in the U.S. right now is for military. And sadly, I actually think it's subpar quality hmm. um, and needs to be changed in and of itself. But that's a whole nother supply chain topic now discussion (laughs) yeah um but uh being patient absolutely the number one thing yep you know and with forlo we've had to be patient we've had to find that win with the manufacturer that's another big one uh don't go in there guns a blazing like you would do in overseas right chasing a nickel to cut your nose off right so you have to just work with these guys archetype your whole profit and loss with them be transparent and find a win for both of you. Mm. That's the key. Yep. Cuz there's you're not fooling anybody here. Yep. There's no cheating way to do this. It's all transparent. Mm. Um something you guys will realize as you start reshoring is US manufacturing, you have to bring the IKEA box. You have to bring everything. All they're going to do is make it. Mm. It's like bringing a a box of puzzle pieces. 
you have to make all the puzzle pieces mm. first before they can put it together. Mm. That's a big change from like sketching a design on a napkin in a Hong Kong bar. And next thing you know, you have a sample or two. <laughs> you know what I mean? I so, yeah. so I think that would, if, if there's one takeaway, I would just, I would just say, take the, take the, be patient, be patient, but take the, op- take the opportunity to create what you want to create. Yes. Work with these manufacturers in a way that you want to work that works for your business. All right. Yeah. So you jammed a lot of good stuff in the very first one. And I, and I always love the phrase and chuckle it. You got to kiss a lot of frogs. It's one of my favorites. It's a visual <laughs> that it, it stirs up, but you know, you, 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 uh, you mentioned the military. You're speaking of things, Greg, we've outsourced uh, here in the U S is uh, the military industrial complex, weaponry, uh, ammunitions. Uh, I was just reading a, a in-depth story about a lot of those concerns as, you know, Russia and Ukraine continue uh, and all the heartbreak and war goes on there. So anyway, not to derail us. Greg, your quick mm-hmm. comment on the very first one from Robert about being patient. Well, you're going to have to because of that, the atrophy of those muscles that we talked about as well. I mean, it's not just the environment like Robert talked about. And we're talking about very technical product mm-hmm. here, right? But I don't think that, I don't think that the uh, lesson is lost on anyone who is trying to reshore because whole industries have been completely reshored and now in some cases no longer even exist in North America, not even just in the States, but not even in North America. So, um, so yeah, you're going to have to be repatient. You're basically rebuilding the methodology by which you build your product. Yep. Right. So yeah, expect Mm. that. (laughs) Expect that. (laughs) Yeah. So we're going to get a number two, really quick, a couple quick comments. Uh, Jerry says also reshore in order to diversify the supply chain in case of future unforeseen supply interruptions. It's a very good point. And Greg says, Hey, got to look at total cost of ownership. Of course. That's right, Greg. All right. So Robert, first one being patient and you add a lot of context that we appreciate that we don't get enough context Mm -hmm. in in this world we live in. What's number Mm -hmm. two, Robert? I mean, for it, it's an easy one for me because I'm an optimistic guy, but just remain optimistic and stay resilient, you know, <laughs> because behind every obstacle you face, you realize, wow, there's an opportunity to do something a little different. You know, um, I'll give you a, sh- a small example at Forlo, uh, very difficult for us to find a, a synthetic leather, let alone leather, yeah. but a synthetic leather um, that you could print that holds up to Martingale, like you know, what what you can beat up, you know? And instead of trying to build that, I worked with an automotive fabricator here in the States. So we, you know, peeled off a a brilliant fabric from the automotive industry. And now we use it for our knee pads and knee protection as well as shoulder and elbow and, and all that. So if you just sit there and say, oh, well, can't find that fabric here in the States, a, you're not trying hard enough, mm. or B, you don't have the mantra that we have at Forlo, which is no is not an answer. Mm. You know, um, you're going to get lucky. You're going to find some unicorns. We we were kings of unicorn catching early on, <laughs> but uh, you're also going to hit some walls. And uh, I'll be honest, like that's part of the fun, right? Like there's a creative mm-hmm. answer in there somewhere. Yes, you know. So um, working with folks here in the states i got i mean it is salt of the earth best people on the planet Mm. worked with many in many countries but working with the group here in the united states is just a it's a dream come true for me Mm. it's just so much fun i can tell every conversation i've had with you it's like you're having the best time in your life robert i love that uh greg weigh in really quick uh going back 
uh, to what he said, but halfway through his response there, the power of not uh, self-limitations is what I heard there, how we just assume we can't do that. We can't do this. We got to give up. And man, whether you're talking you know, reshoring or you're talking so, so solving all sorts of global supply chain ills, we can't give in to that uh, disposition. Your quick thoughts, Greg. Yeah, there's only one time that no means no, and it's not in business. So um, serious. I mean, with all seriousness, do not accept no for an answer, as Robert's talking about, right? So there's always another way. Well, if we can't do it this way, could we do it that way? Or do you know who, somebody who could do it or whatever? So worked with a lot of product companies who, um, for a lot of reasons, either are reshoring or are starting up by producing their goods onshore. And, um, you know, it's a premium. You're certainly going to pay a premium, but it's, I mean, you know, it depends on how you want to define your market. And, you know, that's a, a really good point. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Was that Greg that said total cost of ownership, consider total cost of ownership. That's right. Part of your cost of ownership yep. is not just the cost of what it takes to get it built. It's, and it's not just the cost of what it takes to get it here. It's the cost that, that it could uh, impart on you if you can't do either of those things, get it built or get it here or get it here mm. on time, right? I think people forget, they, we focused for so long on this in supply chain on the bottom line that we've forgotten about. There, it only is a top line because of the supply chain. All we do is deliver everything mm. that's sold. It's a very simple business. So, uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. so, so, so simple. Um, <laughs> So, uh, you know, if you think of your cost of ownership as the cost of lost sale as well, right? I mean, you have mm -hmm. to think about the yep. risks that you're uh, imparting mm -hmm. in your supply chain because of your desire to be a low cost supply chain, right? This is not a cost. Mm -hmm. I will say this over and over again until I die, Robert. I'm sorry, but this is not a cost saving mm -hmm. uh, exercise supply chain. It is a risk mitigation uh, mm -hmm. initiative. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the cost of the invisibles is what I, I use Ooh, a lot. I like that. Yeah, it's the invisibles that people don't think about, you know. Robert, so, I'm going to steal that from you. And I might owe I you so. a small um, commission as we use those cost of invisibles. That's two things we're stealing from you. Palomino. Yes, that's right. Cost of invisibles. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So. Greg and, and Shakespearean, I love what you just shared there um, about what supply chain is, not reality check. So, Robert, all right. So, the first one, if I'm keeping I'm a little bit behind, I'm a little bit slow sometimes, but the first one was be patient. The second one was truly remain opti optimistic and don't fall into the we can't do that crowd, essentially. Mm -hmm. And what was the, what's the third one that folks got to know when it comes to reshoring? Well, I can speak to the right here and now. Um, my, we're all in this together, right? So my bullet point in short is go for the overall win. Like don't, don't chase just your business's win or even worse, just mm. a styles win or a colorway win mm. or a fabric win. Every time you're at the table with a manufacturing partner, think of the big picture, which is what we're trying to do as a team. And that is bring outerwear and apparel manufacturing back to the U S mm. I'm not talking about fast fashion. I'm talking about three layers, you know, waterproof breathable membranes, right. seam tape, yep. the really difficult stuff, you know, even gloves, Greg, you were talking mm -hmm. about like everything leaving. There's very few, 
glove manufacturers left in the United States. Mm. And so you sit there and you're like, I want to support mm -hmm. that dream. When you go into a factory, you talk about, I want to support you, not the whole, how much am I going to get out of this? Mm. No, you're going in with, I want to grow you outside of military. I want to be your private sector winner. I want to build a model that works for you. And I want you to have more customers. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. Just not in hunting. You can take some <laughs> right, from somewhere right. else. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll build the model with you and you can take, you know, yes. take it, take it with you. Community. You know what I mean? You know, um, you want to build, I love that mindset you're describing, Robert, because Greg White, in my eyes, or in my ears at least, it's, um, you know, the term of partnership is thrown around way too much these days. But what I'm hearing Robert describe is a big picture partnership, which isn't just about this line of business or this line of business or this product or this product. It's about how can we grow and find success together. Mm -hmm. And when I think of some some real successful companies out there that truly um, are able to um, run a tight ship, so to speak, but create trusted supplier relationships. I see elements of that in play, but Greg White, your thoughts. Yeah, I think about, um, you know, if you cast a wider net, I, I think about this as what Robert is trying to do is to try to improve not just his industry, but overall the reshoring initiative in the country. And it makes me think back to tech, right? When uh, admittedly it was Silicon Valley back when um, they weren't nearly as rich as they were, were they still only <laughs> just had daddy's money. Um, but, but they, but they created an ecosystem that supported one another, right. Even when mm. they competed and, and, and so often, um, they didn't. And I think about that. I think about all these healthy art alternatives, like, you know, sorry, I'm not pitching, but it just made me think of this, this free spirits thing is in the middle of this healthy alternatives, but still fun kind of industry, right? Where people are mm -hmm. drinking less and they're eating less sugar, except for me and Robert. And <laughs> right? yeah, because I'm the healthy one and, here. And they're eating, that's right. They're eating heart healthy <laughs> and that sort of thing. And, and, you know, and it's, and you have uh, that, that sort of um, altruistic vision, right, is really, is really important. And I think, I think it's a, a good perspective for people to have right? Is that this is for a greater good and everybody That's wants right. a higher purpose in their job, right? They want to know what it's about and what it's for. So I, I think that's a great perspective mm -hmm. to have. Yep. Well, I also feel like it's the only way we'll succeed mm. in this endeavor. Mm. You know, one small hunting brand, it's not going to do it. Right. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So we're going to need help. And, and uh, there's very few of us out there that are brave enough to try to tackle this. So why not help each other out? Love it. And that's that's our philosophy. Yeah. An industry builder. Mm -hmm. An industry builder. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to share this comment from Joseph because I like this. And you know, we reference all the shorings, right? All the shorings, reshoring, near all shoring, the shoring, 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 like shoring. <laughs> Joseph's like all the shoring strategies is to stay afloat and keep on keeping on without being drowned in the supply chain wave and disruption. So whatever, whatever choice you pick, Joseph, good stuff there. Mm -hmm. um, all right. So Robert. Yeah. I feel I, I'd love. I wish we had more time together. And and by the way, little quick shout out, Catherine and Amanda, all the folks help with production. Thanks for what you do. We're going to keep Robert with us as we uh, as we wrap here in just a second. So Robert, if that works for you, we're just going to keep you until we sign off here today. Let's make sure Greg Greg White. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to have to dive into your 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 climbing era of the Greg White journey. Uh, we're gonna I wake up with it every morning. 
Okay. <laughs> let's, let's go, buddy. I used to be that's, a climbing guide, Drake. So oh, is that just, right? Yeah. I got a place down in Joshua Tree, California. So oh, yeah. Oh, when it's not 118, let's get down there and, and uh okay. yeah. and get some climbing in. Yeah. Um, all right. So, Robert, let's make sure how can folks well, well you've shared a little bit about four low. In a small nutshell, what'd you miss? What do folks need to know about uh what Forlow offers? Really important. Um, the whole USA made thing. I have, a, I have a little beef with how you can say that, but not be it mm -hmm. in our country. And so one thing that people, I wish I could educate every consumer in the country on this USA made label, USA made talk. We are yarn packet forward. Like we, we are everything mm -hmm. in the U S so what are some people doing, Robert, that confuses that? Are they just assembling in the States? Bingo. They're, they're getting fabric rolls from Taiwan. They're saying made in USA. Hmm. Some states allow you to do that hmm. if you're a certain percentage that's made. But they're essentially assembling. Like they should, we yeah. should have some type of like vernacular that yeah. describes these levels of what USA made is. Yes. Um, it's driving me nuts because yeah. for the, like I, you know, I don't want all this gray hair for nothing. Like we literally <laughs> down to every, if you couldn't do it in the US, you had to figure out a way to make it in the US or you're not doing business with us. Really? Like the yarn and everything. Yarn, zipper, teeth, heat transfers, trims, yeah. labels, everything Dude. is USA made. My yeah, it's pretty insane. So we I need a new certification. We do. Uh, yeah, and, and, sure. and while we're at it, the recycling industry talk about some of the reindeer games going on there we need a new certification there but we'll save oh, that for another show greg <laughs> reindeer games that was good i'm gonna He's take good. that one oh, you can have one of mine i'll fun. take reindeer games that's good yeah uh so i'm curious is this stuff super expensive like it's at the highest end i'm, okay. I'm not gonna lie I'm give, not me, gonna a sugar give me a comparative brand arcteryx is it that expensive it is a competitor to arcteryx in terms of price okay mm. it's right there with arcteryx but 100% but Arteryx is made, yeah, 100% made in the US. I mean, just look at your Arcteryx um, spin drift or whatever jacket you have and look at where it was made. Yeah, Interesting. Oh, I, know. Yeah. I know. All right. So uh, I appreciate you sharing that passion. Uh, and and uh, really, throughout your, your perspective you shared here, Robert, I wish we had more time. We'll have to bring you back. Uh, hey, quick question. And if they're not, you can say, I'll answer that later. But zippers from YKK? They are. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Good stuff there. Yeah. Atlanta. Hotlanta. Yeah. That's right. Hotlanta. YKK has yep. been around for a long time. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. So how can folks connect with you, Robert? And of course, get uh, check out the line of everything you've got at Forlow. Uh, okay. So start with Forlow. That's Forlow.com. F-O-R-L-O-H.com. Okay. Links in the chat. Yep. And then uh, I am, you guys can reach out to me directly. I love like I said, I'm I'm an altruistic guy. I want to bring us all together in this reshoring effort. Yeah. So my email address is in the the chat too. I won't spell it. It's too long and weird, but <laughs> you can click on it there. Also find me on LinkedIn. Okay. Yeah. It's just that easy. And y'all can see we dropped uh, all of that stuff in the chat. Give you uh, one click away from yeah. connecting, from from doing maybe some early holiday shopping at Forlow and connecting <laughs> with Robert Ituri, who 
Greg, I don't know about you. And we, you know, we saw him. He's the same person behind the scenes as, as you see him in front of the camera, so to speak. And I love the passion and the big picture that you bring to the table where you're going to make it basically make it good for everybody. And, you know, whether we're talking reshoring or you're talking about some other challenges we've got in really cross global supply chain, that, in my view, is the type of leadership that I, I get ready to run through walls and brick walls for. But Greg, give you the final word and then we're going to sign off. Yeah, don't. Uh, I have to say this. Don't overstate or uh, don't be afraid out there of what these cost. I'm looking at my already favorite shorts that I have never worn yet. Okay. Um, those puppies <laughs> right there, Robert. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's not going to, it's not going to focus up. See clear. Yeah. See yeah, clear camo. Clear yeah. Camo. Uh, and they're only 99 bucks. I mean, that's not yeah. cheap for shorts, but I've spent more. Um, I mean, that's that's right there with the Hurley Phantom. I'm a lifelong surfer, so yeah. there's a lot of heart and soul into that short right there, just so you know. <laughs> there's even la laser-cut holes in the pocket so water can drain. Man, oh, really? Like, yeah, you've got some things there. There's some things. There's <laughs> some good. sauce. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, anyway, so, so sorry. Um, <laughs> don't be afraid of American Made because it's that's not – oh, that's a rhyme. Because it's, it's not that – it's not that expensive. It's just – a hundred percent verifiable quality. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, and where, where can folks buy this stuff besides from you online? So forlo.com obviously. And then we have two, two flagship stores, one in whitefish, Montana, and one in Austin, Texas. Okay. okay. So those are our, our main, those are showroom stores. They have everything. Just dynamite explains our brand heritage DNA. There's a lot there to unpack. So we won't do that now. And then we also have mobile showrooms. So we have, um, a truck and trailer, and we go awesome. to all of the hunting events around the country. So we'll go to archery shows and, you know, consumer facing hunting shows yeah. in certain cities. Um, and so we're able to show you everything and you can try everything on. And if you like something, but we don't have it there, we'll send it directly to your place from our warehouse. Okay. Um, so that mobile showroom concept, and we're exploring a hybrid retail, which is too much of a secret sauce to tell you about now, but but mostly direct to consumers so we can govern our, our message and our brand. We're going to have you back and we'll unpack some of that stuff when you can. And we'll get, we'll gain some insights of do's and do nots as some of our uh, global family members are trying to uh, solve their own challenges right. and fight the good fight there as well. Um, I hate to leave it there, Greg White. Uh, I really You're do. You're not leaving it there. It's okay. I'm about to buy some shorts. So. Oh, good. <laughs> Good. Um, we'll well, do here, let, me, let me let me give you guys some praise for a yeah. second. Can I do that? Please, Robert. We're, yeah. I mean, I just love the fact that you're giving the puppeteers, us puppeteers, the ones that archetype most of these mm. brands success. You're giving us the praise. Mm. You're letting us speak out. I think it's you make supply chain fun. Mm. Man, that, Thanks, that man. really first time I've ever been able to say that to someone. Right. Okay. May, yeah, us too. <laughs> it, <laughs> be fun. it has been a pleasure. Guys. Yeah, likewise. Well, Thanks, Robert. Yeah, that makes that makes our day for sure. And uh, we'll have to we'll have you back and we'll do an update. But folks, check out those links. Uh and I bet Robert and and Robert Aturi, Chief Product Officer with Forlo, I bet he'd love to talk shop with some of y'all that want to uh, grab a uh, a cup of coffee. Uh, and and compare notes. I, I bet he'd welcome that. Uh, but hey, big thanks to Robert for joining us here today. Greg White, always a pleasure to knock this out. I uh, had a great conversation here today. So much, there's so much good going on. Despite all the bad news, there's, there's, there's plenty of bad actors out there. 
there's a ton of good things and good news out there if you go looking for it. And stories like what Robert's bringing us here from Forlo is certainly a part of it. Big thanks to all the folks tuned out. Man, the comments and the questions were on point. I wish we had had time to dive into all of that. But we'll be back next Monday, 12 noon Eastern time. And whatever you do, folks, take something good, take something meaningful that Greg dropped here or Robert dropped here or someone, all the great folks in cheap seats. Take that, put it in a headlock and take action. These not words. And with that said, on behalf of our entire team here, Scott Luden challenging you to do good, to give forward and to be the change. And we'll see you next time right back here at Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at SupplyChainNow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now.